On today's episode, we're going to talk about common obstacles that new sellers might have to overcome, our mindset hacks that are important for all Amazon sellers. My guest is a Helium 10 evangelist, Amazon seller, KDP book author, and was even runner-up for Miss World America. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show. That's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And we've got somebody who is a former and actually current serious seller, and now she's part of the Helium 10 team here. Shivali, how's it going? It's good, Bradley. How are you? I'm doing just delightful. Now you're actually what time? It's like like nine o'clock at night almost over there, isn't it? Where you are? It is. It's eight forty three p.m. on the East Coast. Oh my goodness! Thank you for coming on so late. Now speaking of that, you um, you're in North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is that where you were born and raised? No, it's not. I was born in India. I was born in Gujarat, but I moved here when I was, I believe, it was a week old. So. I don't know. I feel like I have the rights to say I'm also from here as well. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're not born a Tar Heel, but, but kind of, um, but, but wait, what, what college did you go to that? that uh, North for some Carolina people, that State might be, University. Okay. You see, uh, that's what I figured. I was Wolf like, wait a minute, that, that might be, uh, that might be, uh, offensive, uh, to somebody like, like, you know, there, there's all these rivalries in different States like Auburn versus Alabama, but I'm like, wait a minute, I'm just assuming she's a Tar Heel, but the North Carolina state, what, what's the mascot there again? Wolfpack. 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 That's right. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, be, before we, we get to your university uh, or college career, let, let's just talk about growing up there uh, in North Carolina. What what did you think you were going to be when you quote unquote grew up? You know, like eight years old, you're in elementary school and you're like, I want to be a firefighter or I want to be a, a Helium 10 brand evangelist or what, what, what did you think you would be? Yeah, I um, I made made up my mind at the age of five. I decided I was going to be a cardiologist, uh, more Ooh. specifically, cardiothoracic surgeon is what I was thinking about. Whoa, whoa, whoa. At, at the age of what? Five. Uh, trust me, I, my I, mom I mean, I was, I was 17 years old before I even knew what that word meant. And you, you're like, see, I want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. I know, I know. See, it, it comes a little bit from a personal story. Like my mom was always reading medical facts to me. But outside of that, my sister also had congenital heart disease when she was born. So kind of just hearing that story when I was younger and mm, okay. and wanting to, you know, help people that had similar stories to her. So that's why at the age of five, I was aware of what that was. It was okay. a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> about to say, to say wow, that's that. pretty amazing. Pretty amazing there. So as you're, you know, going through through high school, now you're graduating high school. Did you still have that uh, desire or or did it shift? Like as soon as you were getting into North Carolina State, you're like, you know what? I'm not going to major in that. I'm going to major in something else. Or, or or did you get into the medical field at that time? No, I absolutely did. I actually stuck it all the way through. Even going through college, I took all of the medical prerequisites that were required to go to medical school. In fact, I was preparing to take the MCAT as well. Um, always had, you know, throughout my lifetime, I've always had very dynamic interests. I, I dabbled in a little bit of a whole lot, I guess is the best way to say it. But Went all the way through, and then right before I took that leap to take that medical school entrance exam, I was like, man, I really love entrepreneurship too. And if a, school's always going to be there. 
Mm-hmm. So if I ever decide that I want to go back, I can at least, you know, take a couple of years, dive into entrepreneurship and go on knowing that I have no regrets, that at least yeah. I took that chance on myself. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where it all sort of started and bloomed from. Okay. Now, was that something that came later uh, in your life, this entrepreneurial bug or, or even growing up, you, you were, you were, you know, that kid who, who, uh, you know, sold lemonade and stuff like that. I wish. I mean, I wish I had that financial education provided. Granted, my parents did, you know, wonderful things for me, but mm-hmm. I, I wasn't always that kid. I think when I was about 17 or 18, my uncle was a massive um, influence to me in taking me to a conference. And while I was at the conference, I saw people of all walks of life, including some that you know, whether it was they looked like me or they were my age, doing amazing, incredible things, having impact, having the the choice to do what they wanted with their time and money. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really stepped back and was like, huh, maybe I should really look outside of just going into the medical yeah. field as well. And that's where it really started. What brought you to Amazon? I mean, because, you know, it's one thing to say, Hey, I'm interested in becoming an entrepreneur. It's another thing to 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 actually land on Amazon as the best course for that. Yeah. Um so this is a little bit of a a journey that I took. Um trying to find where you fit in is is important. And so when I was sort of looking at what I could do to make the streams of income I wanted to and at the same time keep my passions, I found a few things online. I knew I wanted to do something that would allow me to travel because that's something I want to do, um, but also allow me to spend time with my family. And so that's where I sort of set myself on e-commerce specifically. But with e-commerce, I, I started looking online. I Googled, right? I mean, I think a lot of people do that. That's what I did too. I, mm-hmm. I Googled what my options were. And I found things like drop shipping, and I found Amazon FBA, um, I found affiliate marketing and I think I actually tried drop shipping first. I didn't end up actually running any ads. I chickened out. Okay. <laughs> I remember right before I, I placed ads, I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, am I really about to do this? And then I was like, no, 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 no. I need something that's totally mine because mentally I wasn't there yet. I was thinking, this is not my product. So I I took a step back again, went back to Google, went back to the drawing board. And what it ultimately came down to, funnily enough, I took a quiz online. And I remember it asking me questions of how much do you want to make? How much can you afford to input as capital? Um, what are your passions? It was just a variety of questions. And at the end, it said Amazon FBA. So I was like, okay, let me read up more on Amazon FBA. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I said, okay, this sounds more like something I want to do. I wanted to build my own company from the ground up, be able to leverage things that are already working um, in a space that I felt comfortable in and that I could confidently get mentorship in as well. So I ended up taking a course Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest is sort of history. It's very rare where somebody's like, I want to be an entrepreneur and boom, my immediate, my immediate first thing I think of is selling on Amazon. There's usually a journey that you have to take to, to get there. And, and you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I have this podcast is, is uh, I'd love to see that journey end up on Amazon more, more than it, that, that it does out there in the world. So it's interesting to see how people started. Now, 
I remember you told me before, and, and of course me having the worst memory in the world, I forgot what, what exactly it was, but I remember that you had, I remember, yeah. I, I kind of remember that you had some struggles when you were trying to get started on Amazon. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure, yes. Um, so I, I made a, quite a few errors. You know, as I mentioned before, there's always a learning curve, especially coming from a background where I thought I was going to be a medical student and and then going, you know, nose diving first into something completely different uh, without a business degree as well. I don't I don't think that's relatively important here, but mm-hmm. I believe I um, right after I graduated, I went straight through the course, ended up finding my supplier and sourcing the product, you know, placing the inventory order. But I waited until the order was placed to open a Seller Central account. The number one problem that I encountered was I wasn't verified for my Seller Central account automatically. And that was because I've been living with my family. So I didn't have a utility bill in my name. All the bills were under my family's name. On top of just appealing on Seller Central, I also sent in various emails. Um, I got on calls with their seller support a bunch of times, and this whole process took about nine months. What finally got you over the hump? Like, what what got you approved on Amazon after all this yeah. time? Um, I actually ended up going to the town of Cary. Um, I went directly to the town of Cary and had them change the name of the water utility bill. So I just picked a utility bill, had it converted to my name. And the funny thing is, is they even got on me for like the paperless suppression. I think it's called the paperless suppression. Mm -hmm. So whether you're getting your utility bill electronically sent or if it's a paper version, well, I had it electronically set, so they still denied that. Even though it was my name, it was my address. But underneath the address, there was a mark, um, s- some sort of denotation that indicated that. And it still got rejected. So I remember I went back um, into my account online and had that removed and had to wait a whole month just for that utility bill to arrive. Because I tried to get a copy of it er- in advance, so I didn't have to wait the full month. But they said I would have to wait regardless. Um, and and yeah, it was finally having the paper version of a utility bill in my name that that got me through that. Um, no other way around it. Amazon was not taking no for an answer. You have to be, they're very strict yeah, about their yeah. guidelines. And I, I learned that the hard way. So then you were just probably overjoyed when you finally got that, you know, all right, we've approved you. And you're like, oh my God, finally. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that victory was so sweet, right? Like it's almost sweeter because you went through all that BS. Right. Any other issues, you know, in the last year or or so since you've been selling on Amazon? I mean, obviously you might not have been that successful uh, at the beginning as you thought you were because uh, in nine months, a lot of uh, competitors probably entered into the space. But uh, what other wins and and losses have you had uh, in that in this time that you've been selling on Amazon? So I guess. I'll start with the loss and then sort of move towards the win because I think that's more optimistic. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But the but another issue that I'd faced was with my images. Um, I was trying to make the most of what I could personally do. So when I was taking a look at how to get the images made, 
and I took a look at how much they would cost. I mean, I mean, the course that I was taking recommended a few agencies that would do product photography. And I looked at all the prices. They were 800 to thousands of dollars. And I'm thinking, uh-uh, no way. I cannot afford that right now. So I decided to take my own photos. So I made the infographics and and uploaded them. And they worked for a few months, but then the images, the listing basically got suppressed because the first image, the main image, didn't have the exact white background that they required, like the transparent background. Okay. It did have a white background, but it was just not the right white. <laughs> it was kind of off-white, but not yes. in the, this yes. is a luxury brand kind of off Exactly. Off-white. Like the, okay. the images were professional. There was nothing wrong with the images. It was just yeah. the background wasn't the right color, right version of the white background. All right, guys, that sound means it's time for our CAT, our cat of the episode, which stands for Clubhouse After Party Tip. Once a week, we go live on the Clubhouse app and we bring back former Serious Sellers podcast guests to take live questions from you and they give you their best tip out there. So every episode, we're going to be giving you guys clips from these episodes that we've been doing on Clubhouse so that you can get some great strategies from our former guests. Now, if you guys have that Clubhouse app, make sure to search for the Club Serious Sellers podcast and follow it so that you can be notified when we go live. And you can also follow me on there, H10 Bradley. This clip, we had actually two guests, Leo and Paul, in the Clubhouse and people ask them questions about chatbot marketing and Facebook marketing. And so here's a clip. Uh, if you want to listen to their original episodes, Leo is 2.30 and Paul is 2.17. I created a mini chat flow uh, with a product insert. So I had like this cure in my product and the uh, offer was a second uh, product for free. Uh, I had to switch uh, from the uh, chatbot to a landing uh, website landing page because of the uh, European Union regulations. So basically, many chat is not working here for some reason. And uh, my question is: this campaign is not working at all for me. Uh, of 400 units that I sent with this QR code, this product insert, so far I have five uh, percent of those uh, of those QR of those product inserts, uh, they're being uh, 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 used by, by, by customers. Like, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, I would like to know basically what will, what do, like given your experience, what might be happening? Is this normal, like in the statistics usually, or uh, it can be optimized somehow? A couple things that I would look at first is without seeing the insert and looking at your call to action, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't be able to, to diagnose specifically, because there's a lot going on here. Um, you, you have the insert question that's a design-oriented thing coming back to the call to action, like, is that actually attention-grabbing enough? So some things that you could split test is that exact same, um, the, the insert that you did against another one that has, like, a completely different design, and you could split test them against each other to see which one has a higher um, take rate and then in terms of like people actually filling out the form and stuff, um, I would want to look at the landing page and see what, what else is in the landing page. I don't know, Leo, it's like you unmuted, so I want to hear what you have to say too. Yeah, normally, uh, Edmund, I, I would definitely look into the actual insert, like Paul said, because you know, 
that's the most important part of your, um, I guess, follow-up marketing campaign, right? If the, the message on your insert is a little weak and people are not even scanning the QR code, then you're losing probably most of your customers or so potential, you know, reviews right there. So the take rate will be really low because of it, right? What I normally recommend doing is to have multiple opt-ins, right? So you have an SMS uh, or a phone number to opt-in the SMS, then you have the QR code, and you have also what else. So people that, um, based on what they are in that moment, right, whether they're on, on, their, on their phone in front of their computers, they can pretty much opt-in um, through different channels. And then and, um, what the easiest thing to do is to have your um, – you know, Google Analytics maybe code on your landing page to see how many people um, actually visited that page, and you can start creating a, a conversion funnel, right? Where you see, okay, 50 people scanned, and then 30 people made it to the landing page. Well, there is a problem there, right? 20 people got lost for some reason. So, um, you know, without data, without numbers, it's hard to really um, understand what's happening. But um, the number one thing I will do is making sure that your insert actually is appealing and has a good, clear call to action. Number two is go through the journey yourself and put yourself into the user, um, you know, shoes and say, okay, would I actually fill this form? Um, if the website looks sketchy, the URL, I don't know what the URL is, right? Because anything like that really improves, uh, um, can affect your conversion rate or take rate. What good news has happened in your Amazon career so far? Um, so, so my product itself is a pain management and injury prevention product. And I think the biggest moments of pride for me have been all of the feedback I've received since the product has began selling. So I've had tons of people reach out, even via social media, as well as just, um, you know, reading the reviews and through the back end of Seller Central, talking about how much the product works for them for a variety of different reasons. And I think seeing all of the reviews and knowing that there's impact happening with something that had such an uphill battle just getting out into the market is has been very fulfilling. And on top of that, in February, I had a website publish that it was one of the best products on the market after analyzing a bunch of customer reviews. I think it was over 49,000 reviews that they analyzed. And my product made the top three, which was very exciting. Oh. And it's still, I think it, even in March, it made the top three again. Nice. Okay. And, and did that play a role in, in uh, how you even chose the product? Because, you know, uh, most, a lot of people when they do product research, and I tell people this too, I'm like, hey, if you can find something you're passionate about, of course, you know, do that because it's going to be better. But like 98% of the time, the product that there's opportunity in, it it might be something that you maybe never even heard of, but it's where the opportunity is. So you just got to become passionate about it. But did you go into your product research with the mindset that, hey, I want to do something that that helps people or or changes lives or 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 can make an impact as opposed to just trying to find the the biggest profitable product? Yeah. So when I was looking for a product, it was definitely about, uh, you know, the money. <laughs> um, but I was following the course, just what the course told me to do. I, I looked at all the parameters. I accepted the parameters, but I narrowed it down to about 20 product opportunities that I was okay and I would be happy with selling. Um, I ended up reaching out to suppliers. And then once I got a quota of how much it would cost me, I narrowed it down to three. 
So of the three products, the one that I'm currently selling is the one that spoke to me most because I had such a close relationship with that product. Now, what do I mean by that? I was diagnosed with disc herniations my senior year of high school because I used to be an intensive dancer back in the day. So I messed up my back and for the longest time- What kind time, of dance were you doing? That Were you like a break dancer or something or what's going on? How did you screw <laughs> up your back? I mean, I know that if I need to learn Zumba, I should be coming to you, Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, right? We're gonna, we got two um, dancers here at, at Helium 10. We can make a, a class for everybody. Yes. Yeah. Coming soon. <laughs> there we go. Um, no, I did ballet and I did hip hop, but I did also do Bollywood dancing. Um, so yeah, I, it was, it was through ballet and jazz though, that I had that injury happen. Uh, I was working, I was dancing like three hours every day. And then on weekends, it was eight hours of training sometimes. So I, I thought, you know, oh, I just have a little bit of back pain. It's, it's probably just muscle soreness or something. And I ignored it for a long time until there was just this moment where I couldn't move at all. And I was having trouble breathing, moving, driving. And I think I was bedridden for about three months until they finally got me to an x-ray and, um, you know, saw what was going on. But going back to why I picked the product I did, just going through the diagnosis and the mentality I had right after the diagnosis, I, I knew how people that might have the same issue might be feeling. And I felt like I could do something about it because I understood what shoes that they were in. Um, I, for the longest time, put health on the back burner. I thought to myself, oh, well, if I can't dance, because I was told I could be paralyzed if I continued dancing as aggressively. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'd rather have my movement um, and I need to be careful with my back so I can't work out and I can't do X and I can't do Y and I can't do Z. And for the longest time, I didn't do any of that. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't take care of my health in the way I should have. And then finally, it got to a point where I'm like, what the heck am I doing with my life? Like, I need to cherish what I can still do. Interesting. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I like it. I like it. Now, what, at what point did you start doing KDP? Is this before you started selling as a private label seller on Amazon or afterwards? I think KDP was the very first thing I did. So it didn't require all this craziness that you had to go through to, to do the regular Seller Central account? It was a lot less restrictive as far as uh, the documentation and stuff? Yeah. I, um, KDP actually required a completely different account. Like, it's not the same mm -hmm, interface. Mm -hmm. uh, so right after I graduated college in 2019, I sat down and I decided to write a book. And... Um, I think within 48 hours, I was like, okay, I'm going to upload this because if I sit here and I look at it, it's never going to happen. <laughs> and so I found KDP and I uploaded the book very easily, might I add. It was, it's free. Um, anybody can go out and write their own book and upload it for other people to see. Obviously, you have to put in some work maybe to get it in front of eyes. It's similar to selling a product. Uh, if you just make the product, it, it's not necessarily going to sell. But you have to do the work for the marketing to get it in front of people. Okay. And 
Okay, I actually just went to your 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 book right now. I see a publication date, August of 2019. So this was that the first one or was that the second one? Uh, August should be the first one, I believe. Okay. So how how did you drive traffic? Because because haven't you sold a a few copies of this? Yes, I've sold 750 copies. The first thing that I did was I went to promotional websites. So there's, there's a lot of promotional websites. Some are paid, some are free. Um, but you leverage the traffic that's already out there to get it in front of the ideal client, right? So there's people that specifically are looking for books that are in the self-improvement niche. Some are specifically looking for mystery books. You can go to niched websites that have pre-built audiences and either ask them, you know, you can email them and see if they're willing to share your book, or you can fill out an application sometimes on their website because they're always looking for books to share with their uh, readers. So that's what I did. I ended up not only discounting the book and getting it in front of other people um, through promotional websites, but I also believe a really big part of that was word of mouth. Um, I had a few people that were generous with uh, their audiences. I have friends in the pageant world uh, who were That's right. Weren't you like um, the book. runner up of Miss America or Miss USA or, or something like that, right? Yes. I competed in the preliminary competition to Miss World. Uh, so I was, I was the first runner up in 2016 to Miss World America, the United States representative who went to Miss World. Mm -hmm. And then I recompeted uh, in 2017 and 2018, and I was a runner-up again. Um, oh, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> that's gotta suck! I didn't realize that you were so. When you say first runner-up, does that does that mean third place? Uh, first runner-up is literally if the winner for any reason has to step back or cannot fulfill the duty of representing the United States at yeah. this world, then I would be the that's person you. to go. Three times, oh. Oh my God! Well, the second no, time, no, no wonder why you must have needed some positive self-talk, which is the name of your your book. <laughs> uh, after that, that that was have been brutal. I mean, I mean, of course, it's an accomplishment, but but just like to come so close. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, 2017, I uh, wasn't in the top five. I was still um, top. I think it was top ten, um, okay, or top fifteen. But the third time I went, I was runner-up again. <laughs> And so, yes, it, it definitely required some <laughs> mental, you know, I, I, I'm okay with it. I, I have gratitude. I think even making sure. it that far is, is a big deal, um, especially when there were such amazing women that were competing uh, with me. But did, did, the, uh, did the winner er, uh, of any of those years ever end up actually winning Miss World? Um, so in 2016, I... The winner from 2016, I was very close with her, and she placed, I think her exact number that she placed was eighth, eighth out of okay. like 150 women. Oh, wow. Yeah, very impressive. And and she's cool. the sweetest person too, so very well-deserved. All right, well, you know, uh, that that in itself could be a podcast episode about, about <laughs> pageant life, and I think uh, everybody's uh, exposure to it is just Miss Congeniality movie uh, there, so I'm sure you have a lot of... Or, more stories, but let's get back to the uh, the KDP. Not necessarily the KDP, but uh, I mentioned the name of your book that I'm looking at, like Positive Self Talk. And then hold on, let me click back on my browser here. And your other one was Engineering Powerful Habits. So 
now you've been kind of on both sides. You know, you 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 you've been in just the the quote unquote you know regular world. You were on a, a medical track, and now you're in the entrepreneurial track. And and you know, throughout your life, you've had some hardships. You know, your your own medical issues, family members' medical um, issues, and and so you know, a lot of people in the world have things. Everybody has one thing. If it's not one thing, it's another. Like uh, has uh, challenges in their life and struggles and things. And and just even itself, even in itself, the whole fact that. It took you nine months to get on Amazon. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who might have given up even before then, after the the eighth or ninth rejection that they got from Amazon. There, there's people who might give up after being runner up, you know, once or even twice, let alone three times. But let's just talk about, you know, now that you know what are the things that an entrepreneur and Amazon seller goes through. What are some? And I'll talk about this too. Uh, I want to get your input first. But uh, what are some some I don't know tips or or, or advice that you have for Amazon sellers about, about mindset, about their, their, you know, good personal habits, things like that, that could maybe set an Amazon seller up uh, in a better position for success. Obviously nothing guarantees success in this world, but what are some things that people can, can, can do to, to, to maybe help them on their journey? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know that a lot of people will, will say, don't expect anything overnight, Right. And that's such a common lesson that people give out, but it's so very true. And I think until you're really going through your process, you don't fully digest or process that. And so I've kind of adapted this mentality of your job as an entrepreneur is resolving issues. And that's really important to keep close to your heart as you embark whether you're embarking on the journey of becoming an Amazon seller or you're currently in the process of scaling your Amazon business, really getting in tune with, okay, it's natural that I'm going to face obstacles and what can I do to overcome those obstacles is the question I really need to be answering. Outside of that, I think what's really great for keeping grounded, at least for me, um, it has been journaling, not just writing down gratitude, um, things that I'm grateful for, but also things that I'd like to manifest, whether it's, you know, written goals or if it's characteristics of who I want to become. Just really fine-tuning who you want to be with what you want to do. I like it. Now, I'll give some of my my thing here. You know, a lot of people, I mean, it's kind of just like an ongoing joke. They they, they say things like, oh, Bradley just doesn't sleep or he's... <laughs> He's sending Slack messages at a three machine. in the morning. That's and, what I've been telling people. <laughs> Bradley's a machine. I don't know how you do all the things right. you do. It's yeah. People see me on live videos at middle of the night and stuff. And guys, yes, I do sleep. But but here's here's something. And some some of it is just my personality quirk, you know. And I don't know if you can say that I was born with it or whatever, but just it, it just is part of my personality. But one thing that helps me, guys, to to be able to get a lot done and and to be able to always seem like I have a lot of energy and seem motivated is, is because I do motivate myself. And my, one of my techniques I do is regardless of what the task is, even if it's something that I would consider fun, or maybe it's something that normally I would consider not that, you know, great or not that exciting to do. I, I try and gamify everything I do internally. Um, you know, I make it a, almost a competition with myself. So it's like, if I've got a task or I've got this thing, like I, I challenge myself as soon as I find out about it, I, like, I got to finish this by this time, or I got to, achieve this or or I want to see the results like you know maybe we're doing something here at at Helium 10 and and we're trying to you know make sure x number of people 
start using a certain tool, uh, you know, a little bit more to, to help them out. And so like, I'll just like make a game with myself. I'm like, all right, I am going to personally take it upon myself that I'm going to try and make sure to motivate, you know, 73 people or whatever, you know, the number is, you know, if, if I look ahead at the tasks in my week, I just lay it all out and I, I, I check mark every single thing as I uh, accomplish it. Now, you know, the first thing is just because if I don't write things down, I'll probably forget it, but it, I just make it a game. Like I, I'm very competitive and you know, I love sports and things. And I try and almost make things like sports because what happens is, uh, in my opinion, is if you get into the, the the habit of starting things that right off the bat, you're not very motivated to do and you have a semi-bad attitude about it, it's going to come across in your work. And 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 sometimes you might not even finish it because you're like, ah, you just keep putting it off, putting it off. But even if you do finish it, the quality of what you do might not be that great. So just my one of my little, I don't know if I would call this a secret to success, but just one of my little tips, I guess, is just like, guys, if you've got tasks that you want to do in your Amazon business, you know, Set yourself goals. If you've got to be the kind of person to 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 do a vision board or or to 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 you know make a, a personal statement in a in a Facebook group uh, to become accountable, go ahead and do that. But find what is going to motivate you to follow through. Uh, and, and that's just kind of like what I've what I've always done. And 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 I just psych myself out. Like there might be something I really don't like to do. But like for example, like when I had members of my team who were on hourly uh, as opposed to salary. I would have to go in like every two weeks and verify that they did all their clock-ins and clock-outs. And guys, trust me, that is just like- That's tedious. It, internally, I'm like, are you serious? Or like, I, I cannot believe I'm doing this. Like, I have to go uh, reach out to somebody to, to tell them to they, they missed a punch-in and they forgot to clock out for lunch. I mean, that is not exciting. But what I did was I was like, you know what? I want to be the first manager in, in the company to have this finished every week. Because there was like a shared Google Doc where all the managers, you know, you know, you could see what they did. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make, I'm going to be, be the first one to finish this. So I made something that was like tedious and I made it like a game and I challenged myself to always be the first. And, and that was the way I was able to get through it. So there's just different ways. That's just my, one of, one of my, my I guess my, I don't know if we can call it life hack or what have you. What, what about you, uh, Shivali? What other life hacks do you have of, of how you've uh, you know been successful in your you know personal and professional career? What other life hacks? I mean, you know, I read this one book uh, called First Things First by Stephen Covey, and I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But he talks a lot about alignment, and I'm not sure if you're a believer in alignment, Bradley, but I found all of the thoughts in there quite interesting. And he talks I mean, The about, only alignment I know about is, is my tires when, when, <laughs> when it starts pulling to the left. So like, explain to me what alignment in this, uh, in this context means. So he talks about how you want to be in alignment in life in, in the four sectors. I believe it's four. I, I've seen it all from four, four sectors to seven. But I believe it's social, uh, psychological, physical, and emotional, I believe, are the four. It comes down to the different differentiating what's important and what's urgent to you. Some things we act on because there's deadlines, because we need to do them, because we need to get them done. And other things, we do them because they're important to us, because we prioritize them. Um, things like spending time with our family, those are important. Um, mm -hmm. Things like turning it, you know, the, the example that you just mentioned, getting the um, hourly check-ins, getting the time cards stamped, yeah. all of that stuff is more urgent. It's because you do it because you have to get it done. But staying in alignment 
uh, with not only your priorities, but also the four sectors is what helps you feel more fulfilled and satisfied. So if you're only working, but you're not taking care of maybe, let's say, your social side, so you're not spending any time with people, um, then you're going to potentially feel some backlash from that. And I think the biggest takeaway from the things that I read in that book was really just making sure that you're staying in balance, that you're not over-focusing maybe on one particular sector of your life. All right, quick break from this episode for my BTS, Bradley's 30 seconds. Here's my 30 second tip for this episode. Now, we've been talking about uh, some mindset hacks here in the latter half of this episode. And so here, here's another one that is mine. And that's talking about taking out sometimes your emotion and passion for something when the data is showing you something different. So sometimes we might be like, oh, this product is going to be the most amazing thing and people are definitely going to buy it. And it just doesn't happen and we just can't cut the cord because we're so emotionally tied to something. This could even happen at a micro level, like in our PPC campaigns. Maybe we're manually targeting a keyword and we're like, this is definitely a keyword that should convert for this product. And like, I, I, this is exactly what I would search for for this. Like, why am I not converting? Well, first of all, if you really think that, you need to just you know try and you know reverse engineer why it's not working out for you. Do some crowdsourcing there. But at the end of the day, Take your emotions out of it. If the data shows you that it's not working, put that in a negative campaign, regardless what your heart tells you. Go with the data, guys. Follow the, you know, this data science that, you know, whatever metrics, you know, ACOS and different things that you're looking at is telling you. And don't just always go with your gut feeling and then keep losing money because you can't like take yourself away from it. So there's my BTS of the episode. You had mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, like like journaling and stuff. So like what would what would an Amazon sell? Like how could journaling help an Amazon seller? Like what kind of things would you put in there? Like you're just your, Hey, you know, today I sold 10 units, you know, this is exciting. Or I got five star review, or I'm going to look for some product research. I mean, what, what, what would you suggest for an Amazon seller uh, to journal? Yeah, there's so many things you can journal. I mean, even when I started, I was writing everything down. I was writing down notes from the course. I was writing down what product opportunities I was thinking about, why I was thinking about them what uh, the you know profits would potentially be, the profit margins. Obviously, you can do this stuff in a spreadsheet or through a tool, <laughs> but just writing down parts of your process is also a great way for you to have access to something tangible that you can go back and look at to really cherish that journey you went through, right? Because it's it's unlike any other. I think as an Amazon seller, we have this unique opportunity to really wear all the hats of entrepreneurship. You can be everything from the person who found the product to the person who took the images, who did the marketing, who did the sales. Um, even when you're journaling, writing down not only the sales that you made for the day um, and tracking the, the important keywords and whatnot, but just writing down what you want to eventually move towards as well. So like how many units do you want to be selling per day or where do you want your company to eventually be? Those, I guess, play a little bit into manifestation as well. So if you're mm -hmm. type A and you're into journaling, <laughs> there's definitely many things that you can do with journaling as an Amazon FBA seller. Cool. Cool. Another thing, you know, I was just thinking of is, is, is guys, you know, when you have your mindset out there, one of the biggest mistakes, and I've said this many times that, that I think sellers make is they get, and we're talking about mindset, they get in the mindset too much of a seller. And I always say, no, think like a buyer, not a seller. And what does think like a seller mean? 
that's like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm looking at all these helium 10 numbers and estimated sales and number of reviews. And, and, uh, I'm looking at uh cerebral IQ score and x-ray success score. And I'm thinking about Amazon relevancy. And we just start thinking only in senses of, of metrics and, and yes, metrics are important. You've got, to, I mean, otherwise there would be no need for helium 10. You've got to measure these things and, and make decisions based on it. But at the end of the day, guys, remember to think like a buyer more than a seller because the, the Amazon algorithm, Jeff Bezos is not the person who's buying your Amazon product. It, it is a customer out there. It's a customer out there and you've got to think like them. You know, what would they be looking for? What this is the average, your, your, your target avatar. What are they looking for? What would they like about this product? What would they, what would they like about this image? You know, Yes, you know, like 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 uh, Shivali just showed. If you don't have an image that's within Amazon Terms of Service or it doesn't have a, a exactly pure white background, yeah, you, you could get suspended or or suppressed. So you, these things are important. But instead of just wondering, like, okay, I've got thirteen hundred and ninety six pixels by thirteen ninety six, uh, I'm just going to crush it since I upgraded from twelve forty. No, be thinking about, hey, what am I? What kind of message am I conveying in this lifestyle photo? You know, what, what's the sense here? Are, are these things that I put in my infographic like actually useful or am I just trying to fill up space here in, the, in this infographic? You know, in this bullet point, am I just using keyword stuffing or am I trying to make an emotional connection to the buyer? So Going back to what you said about being customer centric, uh, I it's funny that you mentioned that as well because even when I was making my listing um, and trying to figure out what I was going to exactly do for the images and the infographics. I remember sitting down and writing down what would my customer believe in? What would they like? What would they need? What are their pain points? And just trying to figure out the best way to even arrange the keywords and showcase who would be it would be helpful to. Uh, so for my images, I remember thinking, okay, well, I want to make sure that it feels inclusive to people. So thinking about what what whose legs I should be using to showcase my pillow, what should their age group be? Um, for my words, what some of them were your legs weren't didn't you, weren't yeah, you your I own model for legs. some of your yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I did use my own legs I I just grabbed a friend and the both of us took photos of each other. <laughs> in, in one of the project in one of the hemp cream uh, case studies uh, I did. Uh, you can see my back. <laughs> like I was a back model uh, for that one. Wow. So uh, guys, no problem Hope with using your yourself resume. as Parts a model. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. What else? I, I cut you off there, but, but, but go ahead. Keep going. No, you're good. You're good. No, I just, I, I think that's what you were saying about being customer centric is very, very, very important. It's not just about the data and it is important that you take pride in your process 100% because there is a little piece of everything that you're currently building that is out there and that's in some way bringing value to somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. All right. Now, what's your, you know, short-term, I mean, you know, long-term goals, short-term goals. I mean, obviously you're just new here at Helium 10 and I know you're going to, you're definitely going to make an impact here. You've already been writing some cool blogs and you're going to be seen more and you know, maybe helping me out with the podcast a little bit and some webinars and things like that. But as far as your Amazon business goes, what's your short and long-term goals uh, with that? Yeah, well, I'm hoping to scale my Amazon FBA business um, and just really continue to make an impact with, you know, whether it's my current product or as I branch out into new products, just making sure that I always stay aligned with the 
ultimate vision of helping people. I love it. I love it. And and that's one thing that I love about about this company is not just, you know, if somebody's making an Amazon product, yes, you, you by definition you're you're filling a need that they have, but but here at at Helium 10, you know, some of the things that we do here can can play an even bigger role because not only, you know, are we making our own products that that affect people's lives, but now we're inspiring people who are making the product. So in that sense, like it exponentially increases yes. the reach yes. that, uh, of the number of people that you, of whose lives you can touch at least with just something you do. So uh, I look forward to you bring, being part uh, of the team. Now we, um, we, I don't know how many of our podcast episodes you've listened to, but we have something that we call the, or the TST 30 second tip. So you've been uh, giving us some strategies from everything from how to get your pictures into alignment to alignment. You see, now you got me using that word alignment, which I, I literally have You're never used that word outside everywhere. of tiring. It just came naturally. <laughs> uh, you've talked about, um, uh, you know, how, how to get, uh, approved on Amazon. You've talked about some, some life hacks and some thinking hacks. Uh, but what's something that it can cover, uh, anything out there that you can say in like 30 seconds or less that you think will be beneficial for our listeners. A tip that could really help anybody is make sure that, you know, it's not too late to start over. Um, there's no time, there's no right time, there's no right moment um, or right person necessarily for anything in life, even if that's, whether it's selling on Amazon or if it's starting a new hobby. Uh, I think a lot of people sometimes feel that maybe I've waited too long to try something new and that's not the case. I think the grass always looks greener on the other side. And you have to remind yourself that it is an equal playing field, that your happiness is the most important thing at the end of the day. So if you feel like you need a change of pace, then it's okay to start now. Uh, and now is better than never. So I think that that's an important tip. If, if you're going to remember anything from this podcast, make sure that you know that it's okay to start now. I like it. I like it. Now, I know you put, you know, speaking of, of motivational things, you, you do a lot of that on your Instagram. Like, do you want to give out your Instagram here so people can follow you and, and maybe see some tips? My personal is underscore Shivali Patel. So that's S-H-I-V-A-L-I-P-A-T-E-L underscore Shivali Patel. But you'll see in my bio, it's linked to some of my other pages. So I do have a writing page, page as well. So if you're specifically looking for motivational things, then the writing page is probably your go-to, which I need to post cool. on. It's been a minute. <laughs> I didn't even know you had that. I just follow your your regular one. All right. Well, Shivali, thank you so much for joining us. And I know you're going to be, like, like I said, helping out with the podcast and helping me out with a lot of the things that we do here as a, as a brand evangelist. So it's a, it's great to have you on the team. And just one last thing, I totally forgot about this, but the importance of, of, of networking, guys. I, I have met a lot of people at this company just completely randomly, like like Barkus Patty, who, who's another brand evangelist here. I've known him for like four years, way before I worked at Helium 10. As a matter of fact, he's the one who kind of introduced me to, to Helium 10 uh, on the user side, you know, when I didn't even know Helium 10 existed, like in 2016, 2017. And uh, I met him randomly through uh, a Facebook group. Uh, it was like a little mastermind Facebook group. And and there's other people, you know, uh, Michael, who was our affiliate manager here at the company. He's been on the previous podcast. I met actually I met him. I didn't I just remember this right now. I met him through that very same Facebook group. And then you, I think, I don't know if you're in the Helium 10 users group or you were in some Facebook group and just one of your posts. Post. It was a yeah, random was one, a right? Random I don't think it was a Helium group. 10 members one. And and then like 
you just ask a question. I, I, I have no idea what the question is, but, and I just answered it. And then we just connected from there. And now like what a year later, you're, we're coworkers. Yeah. So yeah. Isn't networking cool, Shivali? It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. So guys, uh, make sure to join the Helium 10 members, Facebook group, the FBA high rollers group, and, you know, join the community. You never know if you might find a new coworker and friend out there. So make sure to do that. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.